there's a very interesting but not surprising report out that has to do with some polling that was done. A survey from Angus Reid suggests that the pandemic has changed the way most Canadians think about their future with long-term care. Oh, yes. I, I never really relished the idea of being in a long-term care facility when I get older. Uh, and, and after looking at what happened with the pandemic, that's the last, you know, forgive me for saying this, and I don't mean any disrespect to anybody, but you won't catch me dead in an LTC. It's just me. I'm just expressing my own view. But apparently I'm not alone. The survey found that just 18%, only 18% of respondents say their views have not changed since COVID. But about half of those surveys say they now dread the thought of themselves or their loved ones being in long-term care. And long-term care residents have accounted, as you know, for the majority of deaths from COVID-19 in the entire country. The report says that both those with loved ones in care and those without are equally likely to have changed their views. Is it any surprise, really? I mean, on other questions throughout the survey, such as what should change within the system, the two groups of people often held similar views, and that doesn't always happen, uh, according to uh, people who are in the know. So we have somebody who's in the know on the line. That's Dr. Samir Sinha, the Director of Geriatrics at Mount Sinai Hospital. Um, good morning, Dr. Sinha. Good morning, Peter. Well, it's great to have you on the show. You've heard my my little opener. I don't think you needed a survey to know this. No, in fact, actually, uh, this just confirms kind of what uh, the, what my own research group found last year. So around the same time, we also conducted a national survey. And at that time, we had 60% of Canadians said that in light of the COVID-19 pandemic um, and the fact that so many people had died in long-term care and retirement homes, that at that time, 60% of Canadians in general said that they had reconsidered their decision of whether or not they would want to ever move into a long-term care retirement home. And 70% of those, of 70% of people who were older Canadians, so people older than 65, you know, were firmly in that decision that their, their mind had changed that, so that if they were, if it was ever something that was on the table, and it sounds like it was never for you, um, we now have a lot more people who are saying after everything that's happened, that's the last place I'd want to be. Uh, and, you know, so it, it just reminds us that, while people say, well, you know, kind of things that have happened in long-term care are, are long over, we're lucky that we're not seeing the, the rates of death we, we've seen. I think the fact that we've lost 15,000 people in these environments and over 30 staff over the last year and a half, I think that's really left an indelible impression into many Canadians' minds in terms of saying, that's not going to be for me. I want to stay in my home for as long as possible. And similar polling shows that about 97% of Canadians are thinking like you. They're saying, I want to do everything humanly possible to stay in my own home for as long as possible. The reality is that, unfortunately, some people will not be able to do that. Well, no, they're not. I mean, I go back way before COVID. My, my mom passed away in, in 2008. But uh, in the last few years of her life, she spent in a long-term care home because we really didn't and she really didn't have a choice. And, and she was uh, in her 90s. And I don't want to get drilled down too much on my mom, but she ultimately killed herself by refusing to eat because she couldn't stand it so much. Um, and, and I don't want to wipe every long-term care home with the same cloth uh, and say that they're all bad because they're not all bad. Some of them are wonderful, but there are people who are not suited to it. And now there are more people who are not suited to it. And what that says to me, since we have an aging population, is that we have a crisis. If it's not full-blown yet, it's certainly brewing. 
You're absolutely right. And I, and, and I think here's the challenge, right, is that, again, I don't think anybody ever aspires to go into a long-term care home. But we do know that there are going to be people, and, and we don't know exactly who those people are. Some people who have quite severe dementias or, or other issues, that and, that and their family doesn't have the financial means. They don't actually, there's not enough family members around. They may not even be living in the same city. So this is these are where these options come into play, especially when we have we don't have enough adequate home care available uh, to help people fill in the gap. So these are the challenges that we're going to face, especially that right now about 18% of our population is 65 and older. But as our baby boomers continue to age, we know that within 10 years, one in four of us will be 65 and older. More of us are going to be needing more intensive supports to stay at home in our communities. And if that's not available, we're going to have, you know, people will have to move into long-term care homes. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done to, you know, reimagine the systems that we have to provide more home and community care so people can stay at home for as long as possible. And then, frankly, as you said, you know, there's a lot of great long-term care homes out there, a lot of great people working in long-term care. We've got to support them better to do, to deliver better care and, 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 and do, do what we all want them to be able to do. It sounds to me like what you're saying is we need to really, really, and not just pay, pay lip service, we need to rethink what a long-term care home is, and we need to rethink stages so that long-term care homes are not one size fits all. You get in a room with one other person or two other people, and uh, we, you know, we we feed you while you slurp your mush. That's not a long-term care home. That's a some kind of a, a final stop before um, you go to the great beyond. But in between, there are an awful lot of things that happen to people as they age, and um, it, it would be nice to look forward to for all of us to look forward to stages or steps. Um, that would feel good as we move into them. And that has to do with how we build housing as well as how we build long-term care, no? Absolutely. And I think here's the, here's the original problem. People have said, why was Canada so devastated? And why did we have twice the death rate of any other major industrialized country? Well, here's part of the secret. Canada itself spends about 30% less than the average industrialized country. So compared to the U.S., the U.K., other major countries we compare ourselves to, we are a big underspender. And when you cut corners on spending for our older people, then that means that uh, we have poor quality care. And that's why we had some of the highest death rates in the world, why people are struggling to be able to stay in their own homes. And we actually spend the most most of our dollars on institutionalizing people as opposed to caring for them in their own homes. So we differ from what the international norm is. And so, as you said, we need to think about long-term care, not just as um, as long-term care homes, but most other countries think about what can we do to help people stay healthy and well in their communities? If people need a bit more help, how can we support them to stay in their own homes and their communities for as long as possible? And then if they ultimately need to move into a place where they can actually get more 24-7 around the clock, more specialized care, how do we make sure that those places are not just as you would, I think you were kind of alluding to God's waiting room, but more as homes where people can thrive, they can they can have a quality of life, uh, and they can get the care that they they so rightly deserve. That frankly, they pay taxes all their lives. They deserve this. Um, you know, they deserve good care. Uh, this is kind of how we have to reimagine it. But I think what COVID did was it exposed how 
poorly we've thought about our, our elderly um, and how we've really never given them the consideration they need. Uh, and we need to start moving quickly because we are rapidly aging as a society. And here's the truth. One day, all of us are going to age if we play our cards right. And one day that could be us. And I don't think we wish a poor system on any of our, uh, of our loved ones or even us in our future. Hell no, but I, I do have to ask this question. I'm over time as it is, but this is a really important question because it's come up over and over again in discussing the LTC issue here in Ontario, probably elsewhere, but we know about Ontario, uh, and that is for-profit. We don't have for-profit medicine, but we do have lots of for-profit long-term care, and those companies have been roundly criticized for shortchanging us and yet taking government handouts. Do we have to rethink that? You know, I think overall, when you look at the literature, and we just published a study on this, we, we know that overall for-profit providers, you know, within the healthcare space don't tend to perform as well as not for Some do, but majority overall don't and so on. So when you start building a system where you're relying on for-profit providers, you know, that comes with its own unique challenges because they not only have to deliver the care, but they also have to make a profit. So, you know, it's a challenge uh, for them to do as well as other, other, other groups. But I think part of the bigger issue overall is it doesn't matter whether you're a for-profit provider or a not-for-profit provider, municipal provider, we grossly underfund the entire system. Anybody who ever provides care is getting funding to provide two hours and 45 minutes a day of care in Ontario in a long-term care home. When our own government says each of these providers should be getting at least four hours a day of funding. So so again, it, it, it speaks to the fact that before we start talking about who's providing the care, the fact that the bigger question is why has the government been underfunding the entire long-term care system for so long? And it's only finally because of the pandemic. They can no longer get away with that. So they've committed to finally boosting the funding, but by 2025, not necessarily immediately. There we go. Dr. Samir Sinha, appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, Peter. All right, pleasure to have you. Dr. Samir Sinha is Director of Geriatrics at Mount Sinai Hospital.